Thank you for listening to Jubilee Tri-Valley's podcast. Today's podcast is part three of our sermon series entitled The Vow. Please enjoy. All right, everybody say The Vow. That was so unenthusiastic. Okay, here's what y'all need to know about me. I, I think my wife's been like slowly switching me over to decaf. And then I went to Starbucks this morning. You ever feel like caffeine pulsating through your veins? I feel a little So if I talk fast this morning, just know. Anyway, everybody, so let's say it like we just drank a triple shot latte. Everybody say the vow. The vow. The vow. Yeah, we're in a series. This is part three of a series called The Vow. I love talking about the subject of marriage. Um, I, I love it because it's so difficult. Uh, I, I love it because it's a challenge. I love it because um, it's, it's something that you constantly have to work at. I love it because I, I stink at it a lot. And one preacher told me that, Todd, if you always preach out of your weakness, you'll never run out of material. And, um, and so I, I love the idea of marriage. And so uh, I'm so glad that you're here this week. Uh, like I said, this is part three of a series called The Vow. If you haven't been with us, I'd encourage you, you can go watch online for free. You can go get the CDs for free. We try to give everything away for free. You can go podcast it for free. Um, you can probably bum one off your neighbor if they got one for free. So any, any way you can get it, I'd encourage you to go get this. It's a little bit too much to, to maybe recap, but what you're going to hear today is still going to be incredibly important. And if you missed the two works, two, the first two weeks, it, it's not going to hurt you to be here this week. You're going to be able to pick right up with what we have to say and where we're going. And uh, let's do this. Let's bow our heads and pray before we begin. Father, We are taking on a difficult subject. Marriage is not an easy thing in our current climate and society and culture. Lord God, it's it's difficult. And there's so many obstacles that we're up against. And so God, we, we pray that you would give us the tools. We pray that you would give us the truths. We pray that you would give us everything we need, Lord God, to make marriage successful, God. Because I believe this. I believe that you designed it and you designed it to succeed. You didn't design it to fail. And God, I believe that if we'll do things your way, God, we will have great success and great blessing in our marriage. God, that's what we want today. That is our prayer today in Jesus' name. Somebody say amen. 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 If you have your Bible, we've been looking at this interesting thought that in Genesis, God creates the perfect blueprint for marriage. Because how many know back in the Garden of Eden, there was no sin? There was no chaos. How many know in the Garden of Eden when there was just Adam and Eve? um, You know that the wife could never look at Adam and say, hey, do you think she's pretty? Because she couldn't do that to you guys. So this was a perfect situation. She could never put you on the spot and be like, so is she pretty? Uh, She couldn't do that to you. There were no other women. And inside of this paradise, it was God and it was husband and it was wife. And it was perfect and it was beautiful and it was the way God meant it to be. And in this very opening scene of Genesis chapter 2, he gives us basically these laws. Everybody say laws. Now, usually we don't like laws. But I'm going to tell you, if you'll, if you'll learn to love these laws, they will bless your marriage. And these laws are unbreakable laws. I mean, you can break them, but they won't break. Like, you can break yourself against these laws, but these laws are unchanging. It's like the law of gravity. You can fight it, but you keep losing. So in these laws, we find this blueprint for success. And if you'll go with me, Genesis chapter 2, and start with verse number 21 for me. In verse number 21, the Bible says that the Lord caused the man... To fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. And then the Lord God made a woman from the rib that he had taken out of the man and he brought her to the man. And the man said, this is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she's a human with a womb. For she was taken out of man. This is the key verse that we're landing on. That is why a man leaves his father and his mother 
is united to his wife. The King James Version or the New King James Version say cleave. Everybody say cleave. Yeah, the Bible says that a man would leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife and they would become one flesh. In that one statement right there, there is loaded with truth, loaded with ideas, loaded with these laws and principles. And the, and, and the one we talked about last week was this, is that you've got to leave. He says that now, y- your mom and your dad, when you're little, they're, you know, they're the real deal. They feed you, they clothe you, they house you, they protect you, they train you, and they are the most important thing that you've got. But there's going to come a time when you're ready to move on as a man and move on as a woman and be united in marriage. And when that takes place, they have got to be now the second or third on the list of priority, and your marriage becomes the priority. And what God institutes in this idea is that there is no greater human relationship than the relationship that you, you, you carry on with your spouse. And anytime your priorities get out of way, as soon as work begins to take precedent, as soon as the kids become the center of the home, as soon as your hobbies begin to make your wife or your spouse or your husband feel neglected, as soon as these things, and it, it, sometimes they're good things, but as soon as these good things get out of place, they become bad things. You've got to leave, and pri- this is the law of priority. Your marriage is the most important human relationship you can possibly have. But today we will talk about the next part of this verse, which is this. Everybody say, to cleave. This is Now, if you're like me, you believe that the Hebrew word for cleave means like it's, it's a hook or a knife and it's meant to cut and to separate because that's what many of us feel like marriage is meant to do. Can you, you ever felt like that? Like that, it's, it's a, there's a cleaver. Somebody's got a cleaver. And God knew what he was talking about. The word cleave, though, has nothing to do with the cleaver. And really, even this word united is, is maybe even a poor translation of it. It was, it was just one of these ways of saying, what's the best one word we can describe? See, in the Hebrew language, the Hebrew language is what we would call a poor language. So, for example, if you looked at the English language, we have thousands of words to draw on. But in the Hebrew language, they had a, a much smaller amount of words to pull from, which means this, is that their words were like your wife's suitcase on a trip. They were overpacked and overstuffed and they carried too much. Does that make sense? Guys, can I get an amen out there? Yeah, yeah, because yeah, you know, your wife packs too, too much. I love you, baby, but it's true. Um, well, Hebrew words are, have so much packed into them, so much so like what, when a Hebrew word is spoken, many times you could use two or three phrases to kind of unpack the idea. And the real word here for united and cleave means to pursue with energy. To be united to, to cleave to, to to chase after. It's this big idea of pursuit. And that's what we're going to talk about today. It's the law of pursuit. It's the second law that we'll talk about in this one super packed verse. See, here's, here's what the law basically says. You're constantly and always pursuing your spouse. See, you know what the problem with, with you and I is? The problem with you and I is normally when we really get excited about something, we will work hard to get it and chase after it and do whatever it takes to get it. And then when we get it, we, we sometimes feel this sense of satisfaction or this, this sense of excitement, but eventually that begins to wear off. And then we become ungrateful for the very thing that we used to prize and treat like a prized possession. We do this with all kinds of stuff. Guys, this is how I describe it for us. Guys, we are like a dog chasing a car. When we're getting a marriage, it's like we got the car. But we don't know what to do with it. We're great at chasing. We're great at the pursuit. But sometimes we don't know what to do once we get into it. And this is the problem that you and I run into. Is guys, you will work hard at being nice. 
You will work hard at being kind. You will work hard at being smooth. You'll do all these things to to work hard to get your, your lady to like you. And then it's like, as soon as you got her, all of a sudden we stop working at it. And we begin to take it for granted. And then it grows dull. And this is where many marriages end up. And this is where, where you hear things like, well, we're just not in love like we used to be. Or maybe we've fallen out of love or it's just not like it used to be. Or I don't know that I love him anymore like that. Or I don't know if he loves me like that anymore. And we have all these ways kind of expressing it. But it's all rooted in this idea that we just don't feel the same way we used to feel. And can I tell you, this is normal and common for every person, every marriage. When you're not working at it, there's a dullness that grows onto it. This is, and this is, this is, let me give it to you right quick. Put this on the screen. The secret to staying in love is this, is work. Now, you didn't want to hear that because I, I'm going to, I'm going to mess with some of y'all today. Please forgive me. Um, you've been duped, many of you. We got tricked. We, we, we were told a lie and we believed it to be true. And then when we got married, things didn't work out the way that the myth and the lie conveyed to us that it was going to be. And so then we become disappointed. I want to tell you that the key to staying in love is work. And when you work at your marriage, marriage works. And when you don't work at your marriage, it doesn't work. The idea of pursuit says this, I'm always in pursuit of my spouse. Here, guys, let, let me go back. Like I said, when, when you saw her for the very first time, go back and think, go back and remember. You actually became somebody that you weren't just to impress her. You didn't let her see the real you. She wouldn't have gone out on the second date with you if she'd have seen the real you. You took a bath. You brushed your teeth. You put on deodorant. You, you, you put on some clothes that, that were freshly washed. You, you didn't act like you would normally act. You acted like somebody else. You acted like the person that you think she would like to be with. Don't lie to me. I know what you did. And you worked at it. You, you worked at being charming. You worked at being funny. You worked at being kind. You worked at being romantic. And you were really, really good at it. Well, some of you better than others. But you... You at least were trying to work at this thing. And ladies, you were the same way. Ladies, you remember the time, the first day, you remember how many outfits you put on before you found the right one? Remember the, the you know, you didn't, you didn't order like the big, huge honking steak that you wanted. You ordered like a salad and water. Because you didn't want to be chowing down on ribs right in front of that new guy. And then get rib juice all over your face and have them fingers and have to use the wet naps. You didn't do that. You worked hard. You know what the secret to a great lasting marriage is? You never stop working at it. This is the misnomer. And this is, this is again, one of the things that we kind of fall into is we, we kind of quit or we kind of give up or we kind of just stop trying. I, I remember, go back and remember the dumb things you used to do for her, guys. Go back and remember how you used to embarrass yourself. Remember, your guys used to mess with you because you stopped hanging out with them and they would even say inappropriate phrases, you know what I'm talking about, because you stopped hanging out with them and we're always hanging out with her. And you sacrificed things and you gave up things. Why? Because you were in pursuit of her. But then you got her and then all of a sudden you started gravitating back towards maybe an old habit, an old lifestyle, the old you. And you begin to take for granted what was once there. Ladies, you used to work hard at trying to do things to please and make happy you got to go back to it. You got to go back and remember. I remember, I remember being trying to be so romantic. It was like our third date, and it was a beautiful, like you know, evening, and it was a full moon. And Tara used to live on a, a lake, 
and it was beautiful. It's called Spring Lake. And I remember like having this brilliant moment where like I saw a paddle boat. And I thought, oh, this is going to be romantic. This is going to be awesome. And I went to go get this paddle. I'm, I'm, I'm going to take her on a paddle boat ride. It was like really like just on the fly, inspirational. And, and I went down to get it and it was stuck in the mud. I don't even care. I'm going to get it out. And so I jumped down in the mud and I'm getting dirty and messy just trying to get this thing unmudded. I don't know if that's a word. Unstuck. And, and, then, and then I'm like, come on, babe, we're going to go on a paddle boat ride. And we get into the boat. Do you remember this? And it was spider infested. I, did, I didn't know that. That's why I had been stuck in the mud. Nobody had been like, and so like, here I am on my third date. And I, I'm, yeah, she had said no. And I'm like, no, girl, this is going to be great. It's going to be romantic. I'm going to get kissed in the other night. And, um, and I took her out on this paddle boat ride. And then we start getting bit by spiders. And they're like crawling all, it was like arachnophobia in my paddle boat. And, uh, and so sure enough, it, but I just was willing to try. I was willing to do it. I was willing to get dirty and messy and muddy and work at it. And there's some other things I cannot tell you that I did for her. You would think me weird if I told you. Because I can't, I can't. I mean, you guys did it too. You did some weird things. You did some goofy things. You did some silly things just to make her laugh. Just to make her feel special. There's, uh, there's a gentleman in the back. His name's Delano. And he got married just recently. And he tried so hard at trying to be romantic that when he was out, he had this brilliant idea. It's like, you know what? I'm going to be really romantic and I'm going to get a blanket. I'm going to take her out. And we're going to watch the sunrise on the Pacific Ocean. <laughs> like romance makes you stupid. Because you don't, the sun rises in the east. You can't watch the sunrise. You, you just, just light comes up over, you watch your shadow. Yeah, I don't. But you didn't care. You weren't thinking that kind of work and pursuit and love and romance makes you a little stupid. And that's okay. That's good. And I'm telling you this, that the secret is that you need to keep working at it. And when you're not working at it, it doesn't work. And I know this for me because when I'm not working at being a good husband and I'm not working at being kind and compassionate and patient, I turn into a jerk. Yeah, I, I, I have issues like, I, I, you know, I can be, you know, a grumpy butt. I can be just this annoying or, or insensitive. I can be that person. And so some of you guys, you're out there and you're kicking back on me right now. And you're saying things like, well, you know, she should just love me for who I am. No, she shouldn't. You should constantly be working to be the best husband in Christ that you can possibly be. You should let him get in your soul and work out all those insecurities and all those issues so that you can be the best husband that you can be. But that takes work. But it's, it, to, to sit back and say, well, she just needs to love me for who I am. No, you, you as you who you are, you're hard to live with, grumpy butt. You're difficult. You're wearing me out. You're wearing her out. You, you, you're, it's difficult. We don't want your leftovers and we don't want the worst version of you. you. We want the best version of you in Christ that you can possibly be. Can I get an amen out there? I feel like I'm preaching to myself right now. If I'm me, it's not good. I don't, I don't want to be me. I want to be like Jesus and I want to have Christ's character working through me. And when I'm in his presence and I'm becoming more like him, I'm, I'm a pretty good husband. Like, I'm all right. And when I'm not, it's not good. Because marriage takes work. And when we stop working at it, it stops working for us. And then it becomes one of those things where we fall into these traps. We fall into these lies. We fall into these myths. As a matter of fact, I want to give some of you, because I want to just dispel the lies today. I'm going to give you four really bad ideas about love and romance in our society today. Number one is this, is we must have fallen out of love. 
We say that sometimes, don't we? We, we don't feel the same way that we used to feel. And so we, we sit back and we think to ourselves, well, I must, have just, I must have fallen out of love. Can I give you a hint? You can't fall into love. Do you know that like in our society, we have certain problems. I'm going to teach you something. It's, this, this is a learning moment. Don't check out on this. Do you know that we have many words for the things that we value in life? And every language, what you'll find is, for something they value a lot, they have a lot of words for it. And when they don't value something, they don't have many words for it. Let me, let me make some sense of this. In, in certain portions of the world where, for instance, they don't eat pork, uh, they have one word for pig. It's, it's pig. And they just have one word for it. Now, I mean, in America, we like pig. And so we have many names for it. Pork, pig, swine, we name the different cuts. There's bacon, ribs, pork chops. If my buddy Vito he could give you the whole rundown. We've got a number of different words just for what? Pig. And in other countries, they don't, they don't eat it. They detest it. They think it's awful. They think it's gross. They think it's something that you shouldn't eat. And so they got, they got, they got one word for it, don't they? This is a big. But if you, if, if you go to our language too, we, we have limitations on things. And we have a limitation on this thing called love. That's why we get it confused and we, we you know, we, we love our kids, but we love the Lakers and we love our dog and, you know, we, we love our wife and, and we love pizza and we love, I love the shirts, I love, I love you, you know, it's like we, and so we, we got one word. This is why guys, we have a hard time saying we love each other to, to another dude. It's, it's, it's weird because we don't know how to relate, like, that's why we're like, love you, dog. You gotta back up off that thing and make it as manly as possible so you don't cross any weird lines. You know what I mean? Like, that's why we give that. That's why you don't like embrace and hug. And... You don't do that with a dude, that'd be weird. So you do this thing where you do like a one hand grab and you're like, love you, dog. And then we're exposed to somehow, exp- see, see in, in, in Jesus' day, they had many different words for this idea called love so like to look at your buddy and say you loved him it was a it's a, it a phileo it's a brotherly love if you if you had a, an attraction a sexual attraction that was eros if you had kind of an affectionate love it was storge and if you had a sacrificial unconditional love you had what was called agape so they didn't have just we love this and we love that no no they got specific they got details so that you could clearly understand what the motive and the intention of my heart is and one of the things that we've been duped into is saying that we can fall into this idea called love no you can fall into romance you can fall into attraction you can fall into infatuation you can fall into the water you can fall into the mud you can fall you can fall in all kinds of stuff you can't fall in love it's an impossibility see that when we start thinking about love we start it, it, what we do is this when we start dating we find somebody we're incredibly attracted to don't we and then we pursue 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 and then we have this incredible moment where we get engaged and it's like oh check out my ring and you're like you go crazy with your girlfriends and guys you're sweating you know i don't know um and then that's a big deal. And then you're, then you're engaged and you have, a, you have a fiance, which that's a weird word. We don't like that word, guys. But, but, you know, we go through this whole thing and we believe that the culmination of our love is on our wedding day. That's a dumb idea. That's a terrible idea. You're setting yourself up for a letdown. Do you know what the truth is? Is that your love never culminates on your wedding day. Your wedding day is the start of your love. Because love is not something you fall into. Love is something that you are supposed to grow into. 
And as long as we see it as some type of an emotional thing that we fall into, we can fall into it and then we can fall out of it. No, I'm telling you that we grow in it. And what we do is, is we choose to pursue. We choose to work at it. We choose to grow in it from this day forward. And we keep working at it. And guys, we work to be the best husband we can be. And ladies, you work to be the best wife you can be. And together, when you got two people that are both working at it, marriage is amazing. But you can't just fall into something and then fall out of it. This is the Hollywood myth, isn't it? We create all these romance novels and romance movies about meeting that person and falling in love. Can I help you out real quick here? Hollywood is the worst place in the world to get your marriage advice. They have a terrible track record. I'm going to leave it at that. Here's the second myth. If you marry the right person, the emotions will happen naturally and effortlessly throughout our marriage. Some of you are laughing. Y'all been married for some time now. See, we, 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 like, well, you know what? If we're just meant to be, this is where we like, I married the wrong one. I must have, no, you were probably the wrong one. Like, it, it, it's in you and it's in them. It's, it's, it's not that you married the wrong person. Sometimes you can just be the wrong person, but I'm not, t- here's, here's the reality of it. All marriage takes work. Some are easier than others. Some t- but it's not all chemistry. It's not all like, oh, we just have great chemistry. That's not true. Because when you won her, you were trying to be something that you weren't anyway. So that's proof that it wasn't all chemistry. It was what? It was work. You were working at it. You were working it. And so like you were trying everything you could. And I'm saying you keep doing that because all marriage, you know what this is? This thing is like a muscle. Now, if you know anything about working out, if you're a workout guy or if you're not, if you're not, you know what I'm talking about too. Because if you go for an extended amount of time and you haven't worked out, guys, we're like this because we think we're 10 years younger than what we are. And we roll up in the gym and we think about what we used to bench press. We start throwing on that weight. You're like, yeah, I got this, dog. Yeah, I got this. And, then we, and then like, and then the next day we can't move. Like you can't lift your coffee mug up to your face. Why? Because you're so sore. See, marriage is like a muscle. It is something that you constantly work. And because when you don't work it, eventually those things go into atrophy and then they just, they stop working for you altogether. And so you've got to remember that, that it's, it's not about emotion, it's about choice and it's about working at it. And it's never just effortlessly, it's something that you pursue and chase after. Now I'm going to say something, please do not take offense at this. This is a real story and it's a story that I've seen many times. I ran into this woman not too long ago and I hadn't seen her in a long time. And it was noticeable that she had lost kind of a significant amount of weight. And I'm like, wow, you know, you look really good, and that's it's great. And, and, and then she was telling me, oh, well, you know, I, 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 my husband and I, we, we got a divorce. And this is what she said to me. She said, she said, well, I knew when that ended that I really needed to get in shape, and I need to start working out, and I need some loose weight and look good, because if not, I'd never get another man. And I thought, oh, dear Jesus. Like, why, why do you wait until you're divorced to work at your marriage? Like, why do you wait till you're divorced to work at trying to be a great wife or bring? Do you get, you get the problem with it? it, it what, what I'm trying to expose is, is at some point in the line, or some point down the line, she just started mailing it in. At some point down the line, she checked out. At some point down the line, she stopped, stopped trying. She stopped working at it. She stopped caring. She started taking it for granted. <gasps> but oh no, as soon as I got to go get another man, what do I got to do? I got to start working at it. I'm giving you the secret right now. Work now somebody say all right am i being too hard on y'all this morning okay good i love you i'm a truth teller though i just try to tell the truth in love misconception number three i can have it better if i just start over with someone else someone new 
We, we do this sometimes. We've, sometimes too much time has gone by. We've gotten too far away from working at it to the point we begin to abuse or neglect and we begin to damage one another. And then eventually you're like, you know what? I, I, I could just do better if I started over with someone new. He, okay, let, let me help you. Okay, here's what's going to happen. You're going to try to start over with someone new and you know what you're going to do? You're going to work at pursuing them. You're going to work at chasing after them. You're going to work at trying to get them to like you. And you know what's going to happen? Is eventually they're going to like you. And then you know what you're going to do? Eventually that's going to wear off. And that's, you, you know what the best thing to do now? Because it'll save you a whole bunch of money. Uh, anybody who's divorced knows what I'm talking about. It'll save you a lot of money. Start working at your marriage now. Rather than trying to wait and work on a new one. And waste all that time and waste all that money. Waste all that effort and throw away what God has originally put together. Start working now. You see, the problem with that mentality is, and the problem with you being you and just not caring about working on you and letting Christ work through you is this, is wherever you go, there you are. And you will become the common denominator to every failed marriage that you're ever a part of because it's just you carrying you into the same old repeated situation until something changes in you. Nothing will change in the marriages. Somebody say amen. Number four is this. Uh, when we've fallen out of love, there's no way to get it back. I've heard that. There's just, well, there's just no way to get it back. There's just, can I help you real quick here? There absolutely is a way to get it back. It totally is. And again, some of it just goes back to us redefining what love is. Let me help you real quick here. Love is not an emotion. It's not. So I'm not asking you to feel your way back into something. And I'm not asking you to feel about someone something that you don't feel. I'm not saying that you choose mind over matter and try to trick yourself into feeling a certain way about someone that you don't feel. I, I don't agree with that at all. You will not feel that way in the beginning. You won't. Here's what love is. Love is, and I wanted to write this down so that everybody could get a real good look at this. Love is a choice and a commitment to treat someone as precious and valuable. Has nothing to do with emotion has nothing to do with feeling. But it's a choice that you make. And it's a commitment that you make. And this is ultimately what the vow is. I, 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 was, I was doing a wedding literally yesterday. And we took our vows and we basically made a vow till death to us part for better or worse. We're going to continue to work at this thing. And they were so funny because they told me at the end of it, they said, Pastor Todd, we are so excited because tomorrow when we go to church and you say, hey, if you're married, raise your hand here. We're going to raise our hands. We get to raise our hands finally. And they're excited to be married. But they took a vow, and what they took a vow to do was this. I'm going to make a choice and a commitment to love you, to treat you as valuable and precious in the eyes of God. Feelings will come and go. We don't live life based off of puppy love. That's not wise. What we do is, is we go into this knowing that we're going to grow in love, that our wedding day is the starting line, not the finish line. It's not the culmination. It's, it's the starting point where we say, now is where we begin. And I begin to work on me so that I can be a better husband. And you work on you so that you can be a better wife. And then we work together. And we never stop working on how we treat each other. We never stop working on how we talk to one another and our communication skills. We never stop working on our conflict resolution. We never stop working on living life together and doing life together. We, we just never stop working on it. Because see, as soon as you stop working on it, those muscles begin to go back into atrophy, and then the dullness begins to set in. It's a commitment. It's a choice. As a matter of fact, God will give you the blueprint for putting it back together. Watch this. Revelation chapter 3. I'm sorry, chapter 2. In Revelation chapter 2, God is giving churches kind of a, a, an encouragement and a rebuke, an encouragement and a challenge. And he's talking to this one specific church, and he says, look, you got some good things going for you, but here's, here's what you need to know. And this is what he says to him. Revelation 2, verse 4 says, I, I have this, this thing against you. 
You've forsaken the love that you had at first. Basically, what he was saying is this is it's not like it used to be. Isn't that kind of how we treat it? Sometimes we get so far down, it's just not how it used to be. It's not how it used to be. It's not how it was. We don't feel the same way. We're not working at it anymore. Like something's missing. Some, I heard the most terrible, terrible, terrible statistic this past week. Do you know that divorce and the decision to make a divorce is at its highest just shortly after Valentine's Day? That sounds terrible, doesn't it? Like that's a sad reality. And it's based off of a couple different theories that some people say, well, well you know what? We're going to try one last time. We're going to try one. Uh, Valentine's. Cupid will save us. I'm going to do some chocolates, some roses, and put some Marvin Gaye. It's going to be all good. We're going to make it better. And then when it doesn't work, you realize, or, or you just get to a point where neither of you even want to recognize Valentine's Day. And you just realize that's the handwriting on the wall. It's this idea. It's just, it's just it's something's broken. Something's not just the way that it used to be. And listen what Jesus does. Listen to what God says to these people. He doesn't say, oh, that's it. Draw up the divorce papers. We need to move on. We can do it better with someone else. I bet, I bet if I started over with someone else, I could make it work. Many times we do that. We, we start looking at others and uh, we, she becomes more attractive or he becomes more attractive because our marriage is... Basically, it's this. It, it's, it's the grass will always look greener on the other side when you're not working on your own lawn. Okay? And you don't know there's a septic tank underneath their lawn anyway. You didn't know that. It'll always look greener on the other side when you're not working on your own lawn. You've got to work at that thing. And look at what Jesus gives them to do. He says, consider. Everybody say consider. It's a better word. If you're taking notes, write down the word remember. This idea of consider. Consider how far you've fallen. I want you to go back and remember. You want to restore your marriage? You want to go back to the way? Remember. Just for nothing more than just walking down memory lane, just for nostalgia's sake, I want you to remember the paddle boat rides and sunrises on the Pacific Ocean. I want you to remember the silly things and the goofy things and the charming things and the sweet things and the romantic things. I want you to go back and remember how you used to feel about each other just to remember maybe how far we've gotten. Because to say, well, I guess we're, you fell in love with them, or at least you perceived that you fell in love with them to begin with. It, it, it can still be there. It's not too far gone. If it was, then we couldn't quote scriptures like, nothing is impossible with God. We would have to throw that out of the Bible. It is possible. But remember, just remember you used to love each other. You used to feel a certain way about each other. The second thing is this. Everybody say, repent. I got like a one and then like, yeah. All right, everybody got to say, repent. That's a good word. We treat it like it's a bad word. We had too many angry people yell that at us. That's a good word. Repentance is the open door to come back to God. Repentance means that, and it encapsulates a number of ideas that we, we confess, we ask for forgiveness, and we change directions. It's this big, huge idea. We, we're going to turn this boat around. And sometimes we need just to go to our spouse and say, Babe, I'm sorry, I was wrong. And guys, we have sometimes, uh, we're so reluctant to put that on the table. Some of us ladies, you, you're so much pride in your heart. You can't say those words. I'm sorry, I was wrong. It, 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 we'd like, you know, some of you guys, you've never heard that out of your spouse ever in your life. And if they ever said it, you'd mark it as like a national holiday. <laughs> Confession is a beautiful thing because it's the open door to return. So the ability to say, I'm sorry, I was wrong. To confess and say, this is what I did and I, and I was wrong for it. This, it's, it's a beautiful thing. And we can't do it. There's too much pride in our heart and we need to kill it. So that we can repent. And then we begin to take a change and we turn around. That's what the word repent means. It just means to turn around. 
to return to the best. Re meaning do over, penthouse meaning the top or the best, to repent, return to God's best. And then look at this. He goes, not only repent, but do the things you did at first. You know what you need to do? You need to remember. You need to repent. And you need to redo. Here's what I'm going to tell you real quick here. Because we already discussed love's not a feeling. It's a decision. Here's what I believe and here's what I know. Here's what Jesus is telling us. Is that if we will remember, if we'll repent and we'll begin to redo, go back and start doing what you used to do. Go back and start working hard at being the person in Christ that he wants you to be. Go back at working at being a great spouse, a great husband, a great wife. Go back, Guys, go back and work at being charming. Go back and work at being funny. Go back and work at being romantic. Go back and work at, go redo all the things that you did in the beginning and here's what will happen. If you will remember, repent and redo, the feelings will follow. But if you're waiting on a feeling, you'll be holding out so long that the marriage will still begin to fracture and take its way. Love is not a feeling. We got duped. We can't fall into it. If you can fall into it, you can fall out of it. We don't want to fall into this thing. Last scripture, and I'm going to close with this, this, this idea. In Genesis chapter 24, there's a story, and this is how I know this is true, this whole idea of growing in love. There's a story about Isaac and Rebekah. Now, here's what you need to know. They'd never met before. Most of human history, marriages have been what? Arranged marriages. And on this day, Abraham had arranged that Rebecca, and, and it's incredible, the whole story, I've got to tell you the whole story one day, but the, how they get together and how they meet and how she was chosen and all these cool things are in play here. But what you'll find in this one key verse is what I'm talking about. The Bible says this. It says that Isaac brought Rebecca into the tent of his mother Sarah and he married her. So she became his wife and he loved her. Never met before. Never been on dates before. Never saw her in that cute dress at the thing with the thing and the person that was your friend that introduced you. Mm -mm -mm -mm. It was none of that. See, you know, arranged marriages, we would consider in our, our day in society, we, we consider that old school. We consider that kind of strange. You know what one of the benefits of, of arranged marriages are, though? Is that you don't get duped into thinking that I need to fall in love with someone so that I can be with them. You rather go into it with the preconceived idea of this is who God has put me together with through my parents. And from this day forward, we have one goal, and that is to grow in love with each other. In our day, in our culture, in our society, filled with books and movies and TV shows about falling in love, we've been tricked and we've been duped. I'm telling you, we don't fall in love, we grow in love. And from this day forward, what I want to give you is this, is I just want to give you these tools. I want to rework your thinking. I want you to go out of this place and determine, I'm going to work at this thing. I'm going to go back and, and I'm going to confess to her and I'm going to ask for forgiveness. I'm going to apologize to him and I'm going to redo the things that I used to do back when we were dating and back when we were engaged and back when we were in that sweet honeymoon period. And I want to go back and be romantic again and I want to go back and be charming again. And I want to, I want to work at our marriage so our marriage can be great. Not go through the notion of, well, I just don't feel that way anymore. Many of us don't always feel like anything. We don't do it always because it feels good. We do it because it's right. We do it because it's the best thing possible. Remember when you were little kids and you hated eating your vegetables? Remember how like mom would be like, you got to eat your vegetables? Got to eat your vegetables. We do that with our kids still. I got one kid that loves them. I got one kid that like literally you, you have to like, you know, like hold her down and force it in. And, you know, sometimes, sometimes we, look at, we look at working in our marriage like that. We look at it as if like we're eating vegetables. No, no, it, it's, it's not. 
working at your marriage will actually produce the best life possible. Let me go back to the beginning. God said it like this and I'll close. It's not good that man be alone. Something's not right. And so I'm going to create woman to complete him. And you know what? When you put a, a man together and a woman together who are growing in Christ and growing in love together, that is beautiful. And it even shows us the type of relationship that Jesus wanted to have with the church. It typifies what we are supposed to be like. And I'm telling you what, there's nothing better than the feeling of, of looking forward to going home. Sometimes you, you feel like that. I know, I know that you, you, you dread going home. You don't want to go home. It's not like it used to be. I'm telling you that it can. I'm telling you Jesus can heal your marriage. I'm telling you that Jesus can restore your marriage. I'm telling you that if you'll begin to work at it, the feelings might not be there in the beginning, but if you'll keep working at it, if both of you will keep working at it, the feelings will follow. And I'm telling you, you can have a marriage that the world looks at and is envious of. You can have a marriage that everybody else looks at and says, man, I wish I had a wife like that. You don't know what my wife like. He's crazy. But I wish I had a wife like that. And all you ladies, it, your husband's going to do something really sweet and really kind and really romantic, and all those girls are going to be like, oh my God. My husband hasn't done that in years. And you're gonna, you're, you know what you're going to do? You're going to have a marriage that becomes the light of the world. Salt of the earth. Like a city set on a hill that can't be hidden. You have a marriage that the world is envious of. And then when they ask you why, you say, you know what? God brought us together. And God's in our marriage. And God is at work in us. And when God's at work in us, and we are at work in our marriage, marriage is a wonderful thing. It truly, truly is. Marriage is not a man-made idea. It is a God idea. And we do it His way. It absolutely works. Let's pray this morning. I am at my best as a husband when I'm focused at it and I'm working at it. I'm at my worst. <laughs> I'm at my worst when I've totally forgotten and I've totally just missed the mark and let it slip through my mind. And so here's, here's what I want us to do. I want us to all repent. Say, God, I, I need you to forgive me, Lord God. I want to go back and redo the things I used to do. I want to remember. I want to go back, God. But I need your help. I need your strength. I need your grace. So Lord, we pray for these married couples that are here today. God, I pray that as they walk out of this door, there will be no guilt. There will be no shame. There will be no I told you so. There will be no finger pointing. But God, there will be mercy and there will be forgiveness. Lord God, there will be healing. And God, I pray that there will be two people that begin to work at their marriage. For all those singles out there, can I, can I tell you real quick here? This, this is such a treat for you. I hope you know that. Like, to get this on the front end, to get this before you're married, is so huge. See, for me, it took me years before I figured this stuff out. I'm still trying to figure this stuff out. I'm telling you, nobody, nobody kind of coached me through this. And nobody trained me to think this way. And I had to learn a lot of this stuff. If you're single out there, this is the best thing in the world for you. Get back in here and stay with us. Because God is putting in you and building in you these truths and ideas so that you don't get five years down the road and then have to rework and refigure all this stuff out. But you can set it up from the beginning for success. And so, God, we pray that you'd be with us as a, as a people, as a church family, Lord, as followers of Christ, Lord God. We pray that you'd be at work in us, Lord. God, that is our prayer today in Jesus' name. Somebody shout amen. 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 Yeah, give the Lord a big hand clap this morning. Thank you again for listening to Jubilee Tri-Valley's podcast. For more information on Jubilee Tri-Valley Church, please visit us online at jtvchurch.org. 